from Brooklyn, New York. I'm Lisa Butterworth, and this is Caught Red-Handed. This is episode 21 of the Caught Red-Handed podcast, and the fourth in the Mixology Mixtape four-part series. This episode features Kendra, Antoinette, and yours truly, interviewed by Nev Levin of Remarkable Blackbird. I don't know about all of you out there, but I have really been enjoying learning about how everyone mixes. It's made me think a lot more about how I mix henna, and I'm a lot more excited about experimenting now. I've always liked mixing henna, but after this series, I like it even more. I feel a lot more connected to and more focused on the process. I've had a few batches lately that I really like. They mixed up really nicely. I got the consistency just perfect and that nice little sweet spot that we're all looking for. And then once in the cone, this mix just totally made my gigs an absolute pleasure. It's such, so much uh, easier to henna when you have really good paste. If any of you out there listening are nervous about mixing your own paste, I recommend it. It will completely take your henna work to a new level to have paste that you have control over. As you probably know, my summer was pretty bereft of henna gigs, and then September rolled around, and along with it, a bunch of gigs. So I had a bride, and had a lot of private appointments. These kind of gigs are my favorite types of gigs, as these clients really want me to be creative, and they give me a lot of free reign. I also love that one-on-one aspect of these appointments, especially having really great conversations and a really deep connection. I did a lovely gig for a woman high up in the New York Yankees administration who's having a girls weekend with her sister-in-law. I had such an awesome time with them just talking about everything under the sun including but not limited to baseball, politics, ergonomics, and women's rights and all the while we were talking I was heading them and they just wanted me to be as creative as I could be. It was just a dream come true and I had to pinch myself. During this glut of gigs, I notice that my slow henna work has really been paying off. I find that my creativity is flowing more freely, which means that my hand is also really in the flow, giving me much better quality lines. The payoff of all this practice is really good incentive to continue practicing. I've been doing henna for 16 years, and I thought, oh, I'm a pro, I've arrived, but I have realized through all this practice that I probably will never be so experienced that I don't need practice anymore. And this goes for henna art, as well as the mixing of the henna paste, which is the subject of this episode. So one of my guests coming up, Antoinette, told me that since she was interviewed, she's listened to all the other interviews and has completely changed how she mixes her henna. So she wanted to go on the record saying that everything she says in this interview is a lie. I'm sure this isn't entirely the case, and besides, like all of my other guests, she has a lot of great advice. So uh, let's get on to the meat of the podcast, starting out with Kendra, and then finishing up with Nev interviewing me, which was a really awesome experience. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. 
So I'm here with Kendra, who is from Chicago. Kendra, could you say your name for me? Sure. Kendra Williams. Okay. And so you're in Chicago itself, Chicago uh, yes. area? Yes. I'm on. Um, no, I'm I'm actually in uh, the city proper on the north side, oh, okay. literally at the end of the brown line. Um, <laughs> my my cross streets are Lawrence and Kimball. So <laughs> All right, we'll be we'll be right there. there. Yeah. <laughs> um, all right, so you're here for the mixing podcast. You're one of the many voices that we're hearing. And I was talking to Deb earlier and she said, I'm very, I was kind of surprised when you had this idea to talk to people about their mixes. She just assumed everybody had the same one. And yeah. uh, I told her that you'd be surprised how different they are. So I'm curious to hear your mixing strategy. And the first thing I want to hear about is what are your ingredients and go ahead and list any brand names of any products, especially if you really, really like them. Um, well, I do like to try different henna powders itself, um, but usually I do a 50-50 blend of Jamila and Rajasthani. Uh -huh. um, I have purchased from Henna Caravan, I've purchased from Henna Lounge, I've purchased from Henna Muse, and they're all my friends, so I try to <laughs> support and rotate, you know? Yeah. <laughs> and so, um, and it's all good quality stuff, I so I usually do a 50-50 blend, um, uh, because I just like the texture that way. Uh -huh. And because um, I like to do a little bit of draping, but I don't want the Hershey's Kisses yeah. or the, you yeah. know, the old taffy <laughs> effect. Yeah. So, um, so I do that. I have lemon juice, you know, um, essential oils. Uh, Victoria Welch really turned me on to adding the lemongrass for scent, but I do uh, tea tree, lavender, and kajaput for my normal. Oh, okay. Of course. And then uh, Jen uh, Schaefer from Henna Muse really turned me on to, you know, mix it up, get it to that mashed potato consistency, let it sit, and then add your sugar to get it to, you know, the consistency you really want the paste to be. Oh, okay. And um, I got to say, it. I since I've done that, my paste has been smoother and creamier and it flows better. And I absolutely love it. Now, when I was in California, I think I added a lot more sugar because I lived in Sacramento for 10 years. Oh, okay. And when I started mixing out there, it's not as dry as Ventura County where Hannah Caravan is, but it mm -hmm. is pretty dry. And, you know, if I didn't add enough sugar to the paste, I mean, people would go and out and walk away. It would dry in less than five minutes and they would and be coming back and, off. and crack and peel right off. Yeah, yeah absolutely. So I totally get the whole ceiling thing out yeah, there, but yeah. here, I mean, and as you know, New York City, it's humid too. Similar, so yeah, it all depends on where you're at. Yeah. So tell me again yeah. about the um, this technique that or method that Jen talked talked to you about. You mix up everything except the sugar. Yes. And then you add the yes. sugar as you're yes. finalizing your mix and kind of correcting the Correct. consistency. Interesting. Correct. So and so I used to just put a put a you know an arbitrary amount of sugar in and then add lemon juice to get it, you know to get it to the liquid you know state that I wanted it to be in you know somewhere between toothpaste and cream and you know and and you play yogurt you uh, know yeah. you know what I mean and so toothpaste would be really really hard to work with yes. but you know what I'm, you know what I'm talking <laughs> yep, about you yep. know so that is that is dry as toothpaste but not as creamy as you as know yogurt buddy. yeah yeah. I, I usually say like cake batter is really good mm -hmm. or pancake batter. That's, you know, when people try to visualize it, but so 
I used to always do it that way, but her way is adding it in at the end. And you just keep adding sugar a little bit at a time until it gets to where you want it to be. And honestly, I don't measure. I just eyeball it. Yeah. So, so she's saying, and you're doing, you're adding sugar to fix the consistency or to kind of finalize the consistency? And you to keep final, adding yeah. it until you get the right consistency. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so interesting. Got to check it this really out. It really is. You've got to, you've got to try it at some point. Okay. It is an amazing technique. Um, I know several other people, you know, were like, really? I never yeah, thought of that before. Yeah, it's and, totally nonsensical to me. And but you do I it. But you. I think, I think it really works because it also depends on what time of year it is and how mm. humid it is. Mm -hmm. You know, obviously in the winter when it's really dry, I add more sugar to it than right. in the, like right now, you know, it, it's pretty humid as my ankles will tell me um, <laughs> <laughs> here. Oh man, it's killing me. But, um, so it is pretty humid. So I just eyeball it because I can't make the same kind of paste in the wintertime as I do in the summertime. It just yeah. doesn't, yeah, definitely. it doesn't work, you know? So, I think her method is awesome. And since I've done it, I got to say, like I said, the consistency of my cones and how they, how it comes out, it's, you know, yeah. it's creamier. Yeah. It just, it works. Very interesting. I'm going to have to yep. check that out. Um, so while we're talking about consistency, I'll just yep. jump ahead and ask mm -hmm. you, how do you test the consistency? Do you actually yep. cone it up and see? Um, I usually do that where it's ribboning off the spoon. Okay. You know, that's what I like it to look like. And I just, I, yeah, I've, I used to, I used to get really paranoid and I would put a little bit in a cone first, you know, mm -hmm. and then, and now I'm, I know what I want it to look like when it, when it's ribboning off the spoon and yeah, like yeah. you pick up that spoon and it dribbles down it just does that. It's, it's all I can say is like, you know, when you drop a ribbon off a spool and it just yeah, folds yeah. over itself. Right. And gotcha. that's, and that's what it looks like. And so I know when it gets to that point that, you know, I'm good to go. And, and that's it. I mean, I used to, I used to be a lot more paranoid about it, but right, right. now I'm just like, eh, that's good. <laughs> so, yeah. So you would recommend to newbies to maybe cone it up and, and check. Yeah, if, first. They're, if they're unsure, absolutely. If yeah. they're unsure, you know, take it, take a tablespoon of it, you know, and throw it in a cone and, and, you know, try doing your most, you know, try doing the stuff that, you know, you have a hard time with. Don't do the easy stuff. Yeah. yeah. You know, do something that, you know, you have a hard time with, like, you know, do some draping or do, you know, a grid or, you know, whatever yeah. that you struggle with and see if it works. Yeah. That's a good idea. Oh, I yep. forgot to ask you, what brand of essential oils do you use? Um, I have now essential oils and I have uh, Mountain Rose Herbs for oh, yeah. Yeah, lavender them. for my lemongrass because they are organic and yeah. great. And I still have now, I have these two huge bottles I bought and I didn't realize, you know, how little of the, of the um, oils I was really going to be using in that, mm -hmm. you know, a 16 ounce bottle lasts a long oh, yeah, time. That's a huge bottle. <laughs> yes. Definitely. And I'm like, Oh my God, <laughs> but, you know, it's okay. I, but I'm finding other uses for the stuff. So, you yeah. know, I'm putting it in my air homemade air freshener and cleansers and all yeah. that. Other stuff. Yeah. I'm lavender like, yeah. goes a, a long way in your yes. house. It's really nice. Yep. And yep. then, um, what, what, uh, what temperature do you make the liquids? Oh, um, 
you know, I get a really good consistent temperature when I, um, I haven't actually, I don't have a thermometer. I haven't actually measured, but you know, I do the, you know, well, put do it you in hot or cold or room temperature, just that. Oh, 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 oh. Um, I usually take my, my lemon juice, I refrigerate and mm-hmm. I just take it out and just mix it cold, I guess. Okay. And then, um, stick it in the oven, you know, with the light on. Oh, okay. And, you know, let it, let it do its thing. And because and, you use a mix, do you mix the Jamila separately from the Raj? You know what? I just started doing that because I had a, I had a batch, um, this past fall and I had a batch in, um, January that just were not the color I wanted them to be. You know, they just yeah. weren't as vibrant mm-hmm. as, I, as I've had other batches be. And so I got paranoid about it. And I know that the, um, Jamila 2012, it seemed to take, was taking a long time for dye release. So I know Jamila can usually take, you know, 24 hours and Rajasthani will be ready in half that time. Right. So what I was doing was doing the Jamila and then waiting 12 hours. And then I, this last batch that I did, that's what I did. I did the Jamila, waited 12 hours, and then I added the Rajasthani. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't make like two separate batches and then mix them together. I just did the Jamila first and then just added add a little bit more liquid. Yeah. yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. when do you add the essential oils? You do that all at once? All at once. Yeah. All and at how, once. How big are your batches usually? Um, I usually do a box of each. Oh, okay. hundred grams so, of each. Yeah. So, yeah. so 200, yeah. So 200 grams total. Mm-hmm. And you know, I can usually get about, I'd say probably about at least 25 cones uh, per box. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'm, I'm depending on how big I make my cones. I mean, I can get anywhere from 50 to 60 cones yeah. out of that. So especially during festival season, that goes real quick. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. And, um, and when you measure everything out for your paste, are you measuring it? Do you have like a really strict measurement for that? Or do you just kind of eyeball it? For the lemon juice, I pretty much eyeball it until mm-hmm. it gets to, you know, that mashed potato look. Mm-hmm. Um, for the oils, I do, um, I do, like, basically, I think, all together about four tablespoons of oil. But I don't, for I don't do, like, half of this. But, yeah, for all, for the whole 200 yeah. grams. And so I just, you know, I don't, I kind of, actually, I have one bottle that I've made up that's the, that's a blend that's just, you know, one third tea tree, one third uh, ketchup, but one third lavender, and then a little bit of lemongrass again for scent. It's not, I don't consider that part of the, you know, the oil mix for the monoterpene yeah. part of yeah. it, of course. Yeah. It's just scent. So I just throw a little bit, you know, I'm like, eh, I'll top it off with the, <laughs> with the lemongrass right, just to make it right. smell nice because yeah. I love that scent. So, um, so I have a bottle that, you know, I just mix the blend itself, you know, mm-hmm. all together. And then, and then I just do like, you know, three to four tablespoons of that, Yeah. you know, in the 200 grams. Yeah. And what kind of tools and mixing methods do you use? Like what kind of bowl, what kind of mixer, that kind of um, thing? I use a glass bowl. Mm-hmm. Um, I was using a metal bowl, but then I realized that the metal bowl might keep it cold oh, too okay. long. You know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. So I use a glass bowl. Also a glass bowl is just easier to also see you know, that, that with mm-hmm. that brown level on the top, Yes. you know, so you, you could, so you don't have to do the, the paper towel thing. Cause depending on how thick your, 
um, your, you know, saran wrap is or whatever, you know, sometimes the paper towel thing works, sometimes it doesn't, uh -huh. you know, so I always look and when it starts to brown is when I start to do my, you know, spot tests. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, I put it in a glass bowl. Um, I have like one nasty looking orange spatula that I use to yeah. start mixing. And then when I really want to get it creamy, um, I do use like a hand mixer. Oh, okay. An electric hand mixer. Yeah. 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 Not into, I'm not into the KitchenAid area yeah. yet, but <laughs> <laughs> I do I have a hand mixer that I use. So, um, so you were talking a bit about dye release. So you also eyeball that. You just look at it and see the dark yeah. top and you go, okay, it's ready. <laughs> Yeah, well, I do. I mean, I do a spot test on my hand. You know, you want that that bright pumpkin orange. Yeah. Um, I posted a I posted a picture of that on yes. on Henna Hub because yeah. somebody was asking about dye release, and I posted. I'm like, well, this is what I look for. So there's a nice picture of a really yeah, bright pumpkin orange yeah. spot up hand. Yeah, and so I know when it gets to there that you know it's ready to go. And so, so you don't really, um, you don't time it obsessively or check it constantly no no yeah no and then i ain't you, got time for that i know totally <laughs> and then when you put the plastic wrap on top of the henna do you just put it over the bowl or do you put it down onto the surface of no, the henna i press it down onto the henna oh, okay yeah i press it down yeah. i don't know it's just how i've always done it i don't yeah. know if it makes a difference <laughs> but that's just the way i've always done it yeah and, and so when you make that much henna do you usually freeze it oh yeah and do, oh, you, yeah. do you freeze it in carrot bags or in no, cones? No, I cone it up. So, you know, while I'm waiting for the dye release, that's when I start rolling my cones. Gotcha. And, you know, so and I so I roll all my cones, and then when it's ready to go, then I just, you know, sit there and, you know, listen to one of my favorite news programs or put in an old movie or watch Or your a favorite podcast, right? Yep, yep. <laughs> or my favorite podcast. Yes, this is no, – seriously, I have – I have listened to you while I'm filling. This is codes, a paid so. endorsement. Yeah. <laughs> I approve this message. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then how do you wrap them up in the freezer or for the freezer rather? Oh, um, I just throw them in a, in the freezer quality Ziploc bags. Uh -huh. Although, although I've been thinking about going a little more eco-friendly and getting like a container, but mm -hmm. you know, trying to fit like, you know, 30 cones and a thing, it's just easier in a Ziploc bag. It's more forgiving, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah. it moves around a little better than, than trying to find permanent containers. Yeah, I, although I did hear somebody doing like mason jars or something and standing them upright or I don't yeah. know, something like that. That sounded interesting. Yeah. You know, use old like spaghetti jars or something and throw them in there. But yeah, yeah. I do use the Ziploc bags because, uh, you know, then I can just write on them, you know, the date I made the henna and, you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Any so. details you need, like this yep. is a kind of runny batch for a cold dry day or something. Or, you know, or, you know, this is the lavender only batch for my pregnant ladies and oh, my, yeah, you know, yeah. patients, you know? Yeah. so yeah. And, um, do you have any mixing disaster stories? Um, a bowl of henna really. that flew across the oh. room or <laughs> carrot bag that <laughs> yeah. exploded. Oh, well, I've had those. Who has not had those? <laughs> Although you want, to, you want to talk old school, I still have the actual carrot bags that Henna Page used to sell with the green top. Oh, wow. The Easter I, carrot I, bags. I, yes, yes. <laughs> because I think when she was selling them, when I started making my own henna, I bought like 200 of them. Oh, my God. 
Do you reuse them or do you throw them away? Yeah, no, I still have them and I've been using them. I've, I gave them away like it. I've been giving them away at like Windy City Mindy Meat as part of their little swag bag, you oh, know, that's and cool. stuff. And yeah, <laughs> and so, yeah, it's crazy. So I, I don't know what I'm going to run out of them. I still have a ton. Jeez, <laughs> that's funny. What a blast from the past. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, if you had three pieces of key advice for newbies who are mixing their own henna or even old hands who've always bought henna and now want to mix it themselves, what would those three pieces of advice be? Um, just be patient. You know, um, you might not get it exactly right the first time. Um, and it's, it's, some people say it's like cooking. Some people say it's like baking because baking is an exact science. Yeah. Um, and I think that henna, like ideally we think it's an exact science, but you know, depending on, on the crop, depending on, you know, what you get, everybody's different. So, you know, it depends on if you want to mix it with lemon juice or water, there's no, one wrong way to, to mix it as long as you're happy with the consistency and you get good dye release. If it's working for you, knock yourself out, you know, don't, you know, it's yeah. not a religion. So <laughs> yes, you know. definitely not. Although yeah. some people there's talk no, about it as if it were, I know there, but there should be no dogma in henna. Let's, yeah. You know, there's make room for everybody except yes. for the death paste. But yes. anyway, um, no, all natural. Um, the other thing I would say is make sure that you really, if you want to make henna for yourself, make sure that you really know what you're doing and that you are getting a good dye release before you apply it to paying customers. Yeah. I mean, if you, if you mix up, if you ruin a batch, that's perfect for hair henna or practice or, you know, practicing on paper or on your thigh or mm. on your kids or whatever. I mean, there's, there's always uses for it. You know, so don't worry if you mess up a batch. We've all messed up batches. Right. Even those of us that are pros. Like I said, I had a dud <laughs> batch in January and I was upset. Yeah. So, I mean, we've all messed up. We've all been there. So newbies so sh should maybe just mix small batches, not your, you know, 200 exactly. gram batches the first time out. <laughs> Yeah. Exactly. No, I wouldn't, I wouldn't expect a new person to do that, but you know, like that 20 gram batch, you like that henna caravan has their kiss recipe. Yeah. Although I think there's personally, I love the girls. Love you, Jessica. Love you, Carissa. <laughs> but that stuff to me is so runny because they're mixing for their climate. Yes. I don't think that if I tried to make that here, it would be soup. Yes. Yeah. I see what you mean. So, yeah. you know, I love them, but don't think that, that, you know, it's a great guideline to go by, yeah. but if it doesn't yeah. work you, because, you know, they're, they're in dry Ventura County and you're in Tampa, Florida, yeah. where totally it's 90% humidity, yeah. it's going to be a completely different ball game. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, understand your geography and know that not everybody's mix is going to be the same and not everybody is going to use sealant. And again, mm -hmm. and, you know, enough with the dogma, mm -hmm. you know, some yeah. people use I only use it really on brides, so. Sealant? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, I really only use it on brides, and, you know, if I go to a Sangeet and the aunties and whatnot want it, then. Yeah, they kind of I, expect it, they too. They expect it, but for my festivals, real, I mean, when I, now, again, when I was in California, absolutely, it was a, a requirement here. Mm -hmm. You know, no, and like, and when we did Lollapalooza, when me and Deborah and Jen did Lollapalooza, heck uh -huh. no. Yeah. Yeah. They're, nah, we did, we were each doing 200 people a day. You think they were going to come? Uh-uh. No way. No way. They were waiting in line for two hours. And yeah. You sling them and get them out the door. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, to bring this conversation to a close, how 
how do you feel when you're mixing henna? What's, what are the emotions or the thoughts that are, that come to you then? It's, you know, that's a good question. I've never <laughs> thought about it before. I think part of it is, you know, oh, got to get this done. I mean, sometimes, especially like this week, I have to mix a huge batch because I'm coming up on festival season where I'm working eight weekends in a row, Oof. you know? So, yeah. <laughs> Thank crazy. goodness I'm working only part-time during the week. So yeah. it's one, yeah, one thing I'm grateful for. Yeah, I couldn't do, I wouldn't do it with my full-time job. Mm. Um but uh, I guess there's part of it that's, you know, okay, just got to gear up and got to gotta get ready. But there's other, sometimes there's always that excitement of, oh, I wonder how this batch is going to turn out, you know? Yeah. They're yeah. all different. It's like, it's like, you know, wine. It's like years of wine and, gra- you know, and grapes and how they're all different. It, it's always different. I yeah, mean, it, yeah. there's some consistency, but, you know, you never know. You know, until you get that pumpkin spot and then you're like, yes, I yes, did it right. Another good one. <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. So oh, there's, there's also a sense of pride in that, you know, all of us that are doing this, you know, as a business or, you know, we're studying and practicing and, you know, maybe people that are getting ready to go pro, but there's a sense of pride in knowing that what I'm making in this bowl is going to not only give me monetary satisfaction and artistic mm. satisfaction, but other people like it and they're happy and they yeah, enjoy yeah. it. And I, I, I put it on people and it goes out into the world and they're like, look at my henna. <laughs> and, you know, they tag me on Instagram and, you know, so there's, there's all of this excitement about, you know, what it can, what it, what is it going to become? Yeah. What designs are going to come out of this? What yeah. art is going to come out of this? So there's all, you know, yeah, there's a sense of that. It kind of sounds like someone talking about cooking for other people, you know, putting, yes. knowing yes. that it's going to do this for, you know, do something for the people who eat it and it's going to bring people together and exactly blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Very cool. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, that's it for uh, my questions today. Is, is there anything that you feel like I should have brought up that I didn't, that you want to talk about? Um, except for the fact that my business name is Crescent Moon Henna. Other than that, no. Oh, okay. <laughs> Very cool. That's good. That's good to know. Good thing to finish with. And I apologize for my scratchy voice. My boyfriend's daughter had her uh, high school graduation last week, and I screamed my head off cheering and shouting and yelling for her because she won her theater award. And it was just a really proud moment. So I literally had no voice last week. So thank goodness she did it this week. Perfect. Perfect. <laughs> well, thanks again. It was really great talking to you. All right. Thanks, Kenzie. Okay. See you later. Okay. Thanks, Lisa. Yep. Bye. Bye. <laughs> so I'm here with Antoinette, who is from Seattle. Could you tell me your full name, Antoinette? Sure. My name is Antoinette Hippie. Oh, it's actually pronounced Hippie. I did <laughs> not know that. It's actually pronounced Hippie, yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I think you and I met at the Moroccan class in Seattle, yes. right? Yeah. Yes. It was a long time ago. <laughs> a few years ago. Yeah, yeah. definitely. Um, so we are here to talk about mixing. And the first thing I want to hear from you are what are your ingredients? And go ahead and give brand names. I'd like the listeners to get some ideas of some of the different suppliers they can check out. Sure. Um, I, I use a split half and half mix of Jamila 
and Rajasthani henna. And it kind of depends on my mood, but I have a stash of Rajasthani henna from Sarah henna. Mm -hmm. And then I also have a stash from Darcy. And um, I think all of the henna that I have right now is from 2012. I got Mm -hmm. so much of the Jamila um, back in 2012 that I just have never quite gotten through all of it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I'm definitely going to be ordering in 2014. Like it's like, okay, now it's time. <laughs> two years <laughs> <You know>? later. <laughs> yeah. Two years later. I, yeah. I, I kind of went a little bit berserk with my ordering. Um, and then I also have, um, I've, I've used Mohana in the, in the past mm-hmm. and that has worked out pretty well. Um, I think, it was just kind of whatever floated my boat that day, you know, in terms of ordering. Um, I use lemon juice uh-huh. pretty much exclusively. Uh, recently, I've been experimenting with water, but it's it's pretty much just been lemon juice forever. Yeah, yeah gotcha. Um, and then I use sugar. I use either organic sugar or fructose, mm-hmm. depending on what I have in my pantry. Oh, okay. And then what about your essential oils? Oh, the essential oils, right. Um, for my typical mix, I use kajaput, mm-hmm. and and then also I put in like five to ten drops of um, lemongrass oil mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, just for the smell. And yeah. then when I do um, bellies or henna crowns, I'll use lavender. Oh, okay. Just lavender. Just lavender. And yeah. what, what brand do you usually use? Uh, um, that's a big variety. <laughs> yeah. I think for years I was going with, uh, new directions brand, oh, um, yeah, yeah. but the company recently made it so that you could only order a hundred dollars at a time. And I was Ooh. struggling to come up with a hundred dollars worth of essential oils. Yeah. Although lavender can get you up there. Um, yeah. And so I've, um, I've recently been ordering from a company in Oregon for the lavender, and I'm still going through my growler of kajaput, so I don't know what I'm going to do. Growler? <laughs> Seriously, <laughs> I order a lot of kajaput. Wow. <laughs> um, I, I, yeah, I can't remember. Maybe I ordered my kajaput from the company in Oregon, too. I think they're called Liberty. I got the name from Wendy Rover. Oh, yeah, I think I've heard of them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they have really nice lavender, so oh, cool. I, I, you know, I... She highly recommended them also because they're local for her. So she's been able to go and, you know, talk to them. She goes to their warehouse and everything. And, and I, I trust her. So yeah. I went with, I went with her suggestion. Yeah. Um, and I've been really happy with that lavender. Oh, so okay. I'll have to check that out. Yeah. Um, and then, so you were saying you use lemon juice and what temperature do you usually put your liquids at when you mix? Um, I, I start off at room temperature. Um, I usually have my lemon juice in the fridge and then I'll pull it out like the night before, or if not, I just start it kind of at fridge temperature. Yeah. Um, and then I try to get it up to 70 degrees. I don't have a light bulb that stays on in my, um, your oven in my oven, mm-hmm. which really makes me sad. I used to have that, and it was so perfect. Uh, uh, I've got a, I've got a, a articulated light, you know, like a desk oh, lamp. Oh yeah, yeah. And so I put that about six inches above my bowl, and that gets it up to between seventy and seventy-five. 
Um, on occasion, I've stuck it in the oven on low for uh -huh. like 20 minutes, you know, like warm, like below yeah. warm yeah. for like 20 minutes and then got it kind of up to temperature and then set it in front of the heater. In Seattle, our, our weather is so random. <laughs> <laughs> we, you know, we have a lot of like, you know, all throughout the winter, it's pretty cold, even when you have the heater on. Mm -hmm. um, it's not like freezing cold, but you know, it's, it's chilly. Yeah. And then in the summertime, it never really gets up high enough for it to be, you know, really hot. And yeah. so, it, you know, so you do have to, you have to play with your henna, you know, in order to get it to, um, to stay at a good temperature. Yeah. You and, can't just, yeah, go ahead. And do you measure everything out? Do you have exact measurements or do you just kind of throw it in and see what looks, see it until it looks right? Up until about a year ago, it was entirely play it by ear. Mm -hmm. um, in this last year, I've been making my batches um, at 200 grams a piece. So I do uh, one packet of Jamila and mm -hmm. one packet of Rajasthani because mm -hmm. that's just easier. Yeah. And then um, I've been putting a quarter cup of sugar um, to start with. And then, uh, you know, because I'm... I also never put that much sugar in before, but then I was talking with um, Sarah of Sarah Henna, who's also local. Yeah. And, and she was like, oh no, I put in a quarter cup per hundred grams because our weather is so weird. And I was like, oh, that's so much sugar. You know, I was like putting a teaspoon yeah. in, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know, and I put in a quarter cup and I was like, oh, this is magic. And what like, did it do? What did well, it do when you added more? When when you add that much more sugar, you really have to be careful when you're putting in your your uh, liquids, you know. So if you do it right at the beginning, you will have incredibly smooth henna that will stick to the skin, and you have to scrape that stuff off like you know with a with a carving knife. I mean, it's just. <laughs> It's brilliant. It will, it'll just stick on there. And of course, the longer the henna stays on the skin, the darker the stain is. Right, so, right. Um, you know, you, the trick is just making sure that you have enough of the sugar, but not so much liquid that then when you put it on the skin, it melts. Yeah. And I actually had that, that happen to me um, two festivals ago because you know, I had made up the the mix. Everything was perfect. I get to the festival and the humidity was like 80% and, you know, and it was like 80 degrees. Oh, and yeah. we never have that kind of, I mean, that was, that was really bizarre. And it was in May, which was even worse. Oh God. <laughs> and, you know, and, and the weather report was, oh, it's going to rain all weekend. And it never rained, but it just stayed at that really weird that humidity. Humid. Yeah. Hot and humid. That'll definitely so, melt henna. Yeah, so my henna was melting and I was totally panicking. So my booth babe ran into the nearby Safeway and got a little um, soup cup from the, you know, from the soup, you know, the, the deli yeah, yeah. and a spoon. And I raided one of my kits and I just added some more dry powder wow. uh, into, <laughs> I, I, unco I, I pulled all of the henna out of all of my cones. I mean, it was just a oh mess, you know. God. Mixed it all up, and then once I got it back to a nice, you know, firm consistency, it was a little bit firm for my fingers for the day, but it didn't yeah. melt. Yeah. You know? wow. So. Yeah, that's the that's that tricky bit with the with the sugar. Yeah, it, get it, it just really right. is. Yeah. And so, that's your average batch is two hundred grams. Yes. 
So you never just mix little ones or even bigger ones? I do on occasion. Actually, I, I did just the other day, I had a crown and I didn't have any henna with the lavender that made me happy. You know, I no. pulled a freezer and I did a test dot and I was like, eh, it's, it's lost its peak. Um, so I, so I made up like a spoonful of, you know, I, I just kind of made everything much smaller and yeah. guessed with the oils because you know, when I, I, I'm so used to doing such large quantities that when I get back to really small ones, it's like, how much oil am I supposed to put in? Right. Yeah. I don't even know how much yeah. teaspoonfuls is, is yeah. this a, you know, 10 grams, 20 grams. I don't get this, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's a tough one. Yeah. So I just kind of, I, I, I winged it because I know what the texture should look like. Yeah. You know? Yeah, exactly. I do that whole, you, you scoop it up with your spoon and you hold your spoon up and then you count and how, how long it takes for it to drop is, you know, you're, you have your comfort zone with that. Yeah. So. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. And that's something again, that most people say they just judge by, you know, picking up the henna with their spatula or their spoon mm -hmm. and just seeing, and they just know that it's right, but it's hard to mm -hmm. explain, you know, when, exactly how you know it's right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's more like making soup than it is like baking bread. Yeah. Yeah. Although it can be like baking bread. I mean, if you have a, a recipe, you follow the recipe every single time, you're going to get consistent results. Yeah, exactly. But you can just as easily make a pot of soup where you throw in a stock of celery and then you stick in some beef bones and then you throw in like, you know, oh, I'm going to put a bay leaf in this time, you know, yeah. uh, you know, so you can do it both ways. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And then what about your essential oils? Do you add those all at the same time with everything else or do you wait and add them later? everything all at the same time all oh, okay. is i i can't be bothered to <laughs> <laughs> i mean, it's bad enough I, I have that. to go back to it and and <laughs> adjust the um you know the liquids at the end because yeah most of the time it's that frantic eight o'clock at night oh my god i have, I have clients tomorrow and then yeah. you throw everything together <laughs> you know yep yep or Wednesday, you say, oh, wait a second, you know, I have to remember on Thursday, I have to make my henna for the festival this weekend. And then Thursday night, you're like, oh, wait, I remembered yesterday that I was supposed to make henna today for my festival this weekend, yeah. <laughs> you know, and then you just, it's just kind of panic mode. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that actually leads to my next question. What do you do about dye release? Do you time it? Do you eyeball it? Um, it's an estimated time. And then I start checking on my palm. Okay, so you definitely test it as you go. Absolutely, yeah. yes. Yeah, every every batch gets tested, and especially because our weather is so weird. I can mm -hmm. have a, the Jamila will take 36 to 48 hours to wow. develop, wow. you know, in the wintertime. Mm -hmm. and, and then in the summer, it'll take 12. Yeah. You know, and so I kind of know, you know, even when I put it under, under the lamp, it, when it's supposed to be consistent it'll be cooler on the bottom than it is on the top yeah you know and yeah, definitely. because i'm making such large quantities i think if i was making smaller ones um it would be you know it would be more consistent throughout my my batch i should i, I should probably use a, a shallower container to keep everything kind of spread out more oh yeah that's a good um, idea but also you know, there have been times in the wintertime when I make my batches, I will start the Jamila the day before, and then I will start the Rajasthani henna the next day. And then I will mix the two of them together because the Rajasthani henna for me will still develop in 12 to, you know, 24 hours. 
no yeah. matter what the Jamila is doing. The Jamila yeah. will just be like, hi, I'm over here in some other land of yeah. goodness. Just and... leave me alone for a while. <laughs> exactly. I'll get there. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired. I'm going to deal with this later. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And then the, the Rajasthani is like every single time. It's like, nope, we're Not good. I got this. this is oh, cool. yeah. I see what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then what about the consistency? Do you test that as well? Like by coning some of it and seeing how yes. it you do, you actually yes. test it in the cone. Okay. Um, because also you're dealing with, when you're dealing with sugar, you're dealing with melty. Yeah. So I want to see, you know, I, I'll make a cone. And then when I, when I do my test thought, you know, usually I'll do a great big blotch and then I'll also do like a small mandala in the center of my palm mm-hmm. and let that sit for five minutes and see, you know, what, what does my line do after five minutes? After five minutes, you can have a pretty good idea yeah, about that, what yeah. the henna is going to act like for the rest of its, yeah, you know, stay on the body. Mm-hmm. So I'll do a small flower. I'll do a small mandala. My hands are always a mess. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but at least you can show people what henna looks like. <laughs> exactly. I can say, well, this, I, I left this on for five minutes, you know, and then mm-hmm. also I'll do a mandala that will take me five minutes to do. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so it'll cover the whole palm. And then I can say, see, in the center here, it was five minutes at the at the edges. I just left it on and then took it off. Oh, uh, yeah. So you can show that. The so difference. I can show that. Yeah. And then also people can see what what five minutes will get them, you know. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's important. Um, And then when you make a big batch like that, you freeze it, I assume. Oh, yes. And do you yeah. freeze it in a carrot bag or do you cone it up right away and then freeze it? I usually cone up some of it and then I freeze most of it in the carrot bag. But I try to freeze it in small carrot bags, mm-hmm. you know, or like half the, you know, I, I don't fill up the entire carrot bag. Yeah. Unless I'm in the middle of festival season because in the wintertime, you don't want to be taking out your henna, thawing it, refreezing it, thawing, refreezing yeah. it, you know. And so if you have smaller batches, um, you know, then, then you're only pulling out so much as you need at a time. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And then how do you wrap things up in the, in, when you put them in the freezer? (laughs) That depends on how lazy I am. (laughs) (laughs) Most of the time it's, you know, it goes in the, in the, um, carrot bag, the carrot bag gets, uh, rubber banded closed, Mm -hmm. you know, the end of it. Yeah. Um, and then I stuff it in, I've got, uh, two layers of freezer bag, like oh, okay. you know, Ziploc freezer bag. Yeah. And then I just, you know, zip up both of those layers and, um, and then sometimes I just chuck it in there. Yeah. Uh, which is not, I, yeah, that is not the best way to do it. <laughs> but, uh, you know, and I also have a very, I, I have, I say I have a broken sniffer. I don't, I can't smell stuff very well. And so I can't tell whether or not all of the food in my freezer has been affected by my essential (laughs) oils. And my husband has never complained. Okay. You know, that's one of the things that everybody complains. You know, they say, oh, you know, then my ice cream smell, you know, my ice cream tastes like lavender. I'm like, I, ice cream tastes like ice cream. I don't get (laughs) Lavender ice cream could be really nice though. So I'm sure it probably could be. I wouldn't be able to tell you. So what what are three things that you think that every new henna artist should know about mixing henna? Consistency. Consistency in um, temperature. 
Mm. Temperature is really, really important. No matter how much I've been saying, oh yeah, it's, it fluctuates all the time. Mm. If you want to get consistent results every single time and you are just starting out, keep your henna at 70 to 75 degrees. Even 75 to 80 degrees. I mean, you, you've got to keep it at a, a very, you know, very neutral um, point. You know, every single time it needs to be the same temperature. Um, freshness of henna is important. You don't want to get stuff that you don't know how long it's been sitting on the shelf. Yeah. Um, you know, reputable sellers will always say, well, this is the 2012 batch. This is the 2013, you know, crop harvest. Yeah. Uh, and, and everything is written on there and it's all good. But if you, you know, if, if you're in a bind and you go to the grocery store and they have a box of henna that you can't read the ingredients on the mm -hmm. side, you have no idea what you're getting. Yeah. Um, it's really important to get henna from a reputable distributor. Yeah. And then the last one is practice and experiment, yeah. you know, yeah. make little batches and make them up differently and record all of your results on paper, you know, say, mm -hmm. oh, this is the one where I did it for 12 hours, and this is what the stain looked like, and this is where I left it for 36 hours, and this is what the stain looked like. You you can follow a recipe, and it'll work great every time, but if you want to de deviate from that recipe, you have to practice. You have yeah. to, you know, try it out different things and don't try it out right before you're going to go and head out a whole bunch of people. <laughs> yeah. And also, you know, a recipe that is, you know, very specific may work for most people, but let's say you live in a very dry place or your house Absolutely. is really warm or your house is really cold. You really, you need to know what to adjust and how Absolutely. to, you know, it's like they have recipes in cookbooks, but you know, if you live at altitude, altitude high altitude, exactly. you have to change it or yeah. You know, and and most so people many things. who have been cooking or baking for a long time, they know how to adjust. Well, yeah, exactly. It's the same thing with henna for those of us who have been yeah. making henna for a long time. Yeah. I know how to adjust, but if yeah. you're just starting out, you know, you don't know. Yeah. And, and those bakers all learned what they learned by failing. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> What's um, wrong with my oven? My cake is, hollow in the middle <laughs> right exactly was it because i was stomping around the kitchen yeah you know? <laughs> you, yeah you or is no it a idea. really humid day or who knows exactly yeah. and every single region i mean if you live in india or if you live in new mexico or if you live in alaska your henna is going to behave in different ways yeah, definitely definitely so you have to know what's good for you yeah so the last question i have for you is how does mixing henna make you feel what are your emotions while you're mixing henna um, I don't ever mix henna when I'm angry. <laughs> I, 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 I think it's totally woo woo and completely weird, but I don't yeah, ever mix henna when I'm angry because yeah. for, for whatever reason it will come out wrong. Huh. Um, I mix henna when I'm frantic. I mix henna <laughs> when I'm, you know, just sleepy. I, I will mix henna at any other time, but if I am angry or if I'm worried or, you know, if, if I have a negative, like super you know, super negative emotion going on. I just won't mm -hmm. mix the henna. I calm myself down. Yeah. Um, I'm sure with other people, just smelling the essential oils will calm them down. Yeah. Um, it really, you know, just like with, 
with like cooking or in, in my case, I've worked in a laboratory for many years mm -hmm. when you're working with, with something that's alive, henna is alive. I know that, I mean, it doesn't, you know, it's, it's a plant, but it's a plant, you know, yeah, so therefore yeah. it's alive yeah. and it has a process and, you know, the loss of a molecule doesn't come out until it's ready to, mm -hmm. you know, and so you have to treat it with respect. You have to treat it like a living creature. And, you know, the first time that I ever got Rajasthani henna and I put my, I, I use a handheld, um, you know, a handheld mixer. Electric mixer? Yeah, electric uh -huh. mixer for uh -huh. my large batches. I put the, you know, I, I put in, you know, 100 grams and then I put my, you know, my liquids in. Mm -hmm. And then I started that thing up and it like, whipped right up the, the blades right up the machine and I like dropped the machine and I screamed and it was like it had come alive and it was coming at me it's alive like, what's going on here <laughs> wow I was like okay th this is what they mean by by the Rajasthani texture right yeah oh yeah <laughs> Because I was used to Jamila, which is very, it's a very placid henna. It's mm. its very, you know, very calm. It mm -hmm. it does what it does in its own time. And the Rajasthani yeah. henna was like, ooh, this is fun. Yeah, that's <laughs> you <know>? funny. <laughs> so, you know, so really get yourself in a good space. Treat it like it's alive, even if you're going to be beating it with, yeah. you know, mixer blade. <laughs> and, um, you know, and then just experiment, really. Yeah, yeah definitely. Well, this has been really great. It's been so interesting listening to everybody's different approaches to henna. And I was um, talking to Deb earlier and off uh, off the microphone, off microphone. And, she, <laughs> and she was saying, I just assumed that everybody has the exact same process. And I said, oh, you'd be amazed how different everybody's process is. Yes. So I'm looking forward to people discovering how many different ways there are. I think there's there as many people as I'm interviewing, there's a different way. So it's going to yeah. be good. <laughs> Definitely. All right. Well, thanks for taking the time for me today. Yeah. And I'll talk to you soon and maybe meet you again soon. Absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, this thanks. Thanks. Okay. Bye, Antoinette. Bye. Bye. So, hi, Lisa. Hi, Nev. <laughs> Would you like to state your name for the record? <laughs> yes. I certify that everything I'm about to say is true. <laughs> and I'm raising my right hand. No. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Oh, no, no. Uh, uh, my hand is on a packet of henna. Well, that works. Okay. So my, na my name is Lisa Butterworth, and you may also know me online as Kenzie. Great. And do you want to say what you go by as a business name? Um, Kenzie. <laughs> yeah. People, so that there's no confusion. <laughs> yeah, just, uh, I'm mostly Kenzie out there, but I think now that I'm using my name a little bit more, so people know me by my real name too. Yeah. I love your name. Oh, it reminds me of a, like a character in some children's story. Huh. <laughs> That's cool. <laughs> so the tables are turned. Ooh. You're you're allowing us to interview you, which I'm thrilled to be the one who's doing that. I know you've been pushing for that for a long I, time. I have. This is the beginning. Now we're going to have to do a really, like, a full-on interview. All right. Well, we'll see how this goes. This is your job interview. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. An interview on top of an interview. I know. Now the tables are really turned. I don't even know which way the tables are going. <laughs>
<laughs> step away from the table. Right. Um, so uh, why don't we just start by having you walk us through your process? And I have a couple of questions that um, I can use if you want some, uh, to start that way, or you can just sort of start at the beginning and tell me what you do. Okay. Yeah. Just interrupt me if I'm not being clear or you have any questions. So um, I've been asking everyone else what their ingredients are. So I will start with that. Uh, I always think that the most important thing is to have really, really good henna and makes everything else much easier from mixing all the way to applying and aftercare. So um, the henna that I've been using maybe for the last six months is sarahhenna.com henna. And okay. she sells a like a regular Rajasthani. I think it's organic that you know most people have. And then the one that I've been using from her is called Suraja, and it's from the Jodhpur region of India. And it's a tiny bit more expensive, like maybe fifty cents or a dollar more for a hundred grams. Mm -hmm. And it's just a really, really lovely henna. Um, Can you describe what makes that? It's worth the extra price. Um, it is just, it's like working with chocolate and not necessarily mm -hmm. like the consistency of chocolate or anything, but it just, it, uh, when you mix it up, it comes up kind of a dark green. And then once you get dye release, then it actually looks like chocolate, like maybe 75% dark chocolate. Wow. Um, and it's just super creamy, but also the right amount of uh, stringiness, you know, to give you those nice clean lines. It's just, it would, ju just flows beautifully. Right. I would think that just popped into my head that, you know, do you ever get the, Ooh, it looks like baby poop top thing. Yeah. I was thinking that <laughs> it would be a really good reason to have it look more like chocolate. Exactly. Would look at it and be like, Oh, it looks like chocolate. And you're like, yeah. Yeah, it does. <laughs> Instead of baby poop. I know. I never, right I never use that. Worth the extra price. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, most people, when they, when they see you doing henna, they say, oh, that looks just like chocolate. Mm. So. For you. Yeah. Because henna. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it's one of those hennas where when I mix it, I'm just like, oh my God, this is so gorgeous. And it makes the whole process of mixing henna so much better oh you're convincing me <laughs> this out. yeah at least get us you know 100 grams of it and see how it feels it's just um really lovely yeah and you know I was listening to your process with the three different hennas I was like wow I do not have the patience to do um, that so I'm really lucky that I have this one henna that I really like yeah um, and so how long does it take for dye release for that um I don't know <laughs> I treat it like a Rajasthani henna. So if I mix with hot water, it comes up much more quickly. Uh, usually I just mix with room temperature and I do it the night before. So if I have a gig in the afternoon, I'll do it maybe the night before or like a day and a half before and just let it sit overnight. Mm -hmm. And I don't put it in, in like any hot area of the house or anything. I just kind of let it develop slowly. Is there anything unusual about what you do when you mix your henna? Um, actually, let me just go quickly over my ingredients and then, sure. um, that'll kind of lead into your question. So I use, uh, sugar and I, 
for some reason, all of a sudden I looked at all of my ingredients and I realized, oh, everything I'm using is organic. So that's kind of my selling point mm-hmm. out there in the world in my marketing. So I actually use organic sugar even. And um, I use coconut palm sugar. Mm-hmm. And I don't use it to be fancy or anything. It's just kind of a low glycemic sugar. And I don't really use sugar to cook with or anything in my daily life. So I just want the sugar I have to be good. Mm-hmm. And so that just happens to be organic. And then I use New York City tap water, which um, I guess <laughs> is organic. I don't know. Maybe there are <laughs> pesticides in it. Um, but yeah, just New York City tap water and uh, no lemon juice. And then my essential oils, my go-to is Kajaput, mm-hmm. which I'm getting from Mountain Rose. Okay. I have a supplier for my other oils here in New York, it's Enfleurage, E-N-F-L-E-U-R-A-G-E dot com. And they have really, really nice oils. Usually um, they're at least organic, if not better. Some of them are Demeter and some of them are biodynamic. Um, So I like them a lot. Mountain Rose is really good. My supplier doesn't have Kajaput, so I started buying Mountain Rose's Kajaput. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I want to make it a little bit different, I'll mix with a little bit of orange blossom water just to give that, that sweet floral fragrance to my paste. That's such and, a nice smell. Yeah. And then a little bit of cardamom. Mm, I love um, cardamom too. Yeah. So if I'm just practicing on myself, I'll just throw in kajaput. But if I'm going to do something for a client, I'll, I'll add the cardamom to make it a little bit more special. Sure. Um, uh, and so you were saying, uh, what about anything about it that's special? Yeah. Well, I'll just tell you, I looked up the place for the, um, where I get my essential oils from. Uh-huh. Should I put that in now or talk yeah, about it? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. Um, so we do, I, I, I purchased it from New Directions. Oh yeah. I've heard about them. Yeah. And they've got a lot of organic oils on there and they're really high quality. So, oh, okay. Perfect. Um, yeah. Yeah. I guess the question was, is there anything unusual that you do when you are mixing henna? Well, you know, I was nodding a lot when you were talking about your process when you mix henna, your mental process. And that's really similar to how I am too. If I'm mixing henna and I'm in a bad mood, you know, I try and just clear my mind and just get centered. I just, I just don't want to be in that state of mind while I'm mixing henna that I'm going to use on somebody else. Mm -hmm. And Uh, Back when I was married and kind of teetering on the edge of divorce and I had a lot of negative thoughts in my head, I was really conscious then of keeping those thoughts at bay while I was mixing bridal henna. I really didn't want any of my stuff to get into the paste. (laughs) Um, Yeah, so I just, I, I take it as a moment that is more mindful when I'm mixing Mm -hmm. henna. And I also just enjoy it as a sensual pleasure too the creaminess Um, is amazing isn't it yeah and you say more about that yeah like and I think I really had a revelation with this henna that I'm using now because it's just it's I don't know it's like such a pleasure to be mixing it and I'll mix it more than I need to and I I don't use any um electric mixers because I usually do small batches um, so I'm always mixing it by hand and I just mix and mix and mix because it's just so <laughs> beautiful. It feels great on the spatula and it's just, I don't know. Yeah. What do you mix in? Um, mm, I have just like a little plastic bowl. I usually mix very small batches, like at the most 50 grams, maybe okay. 60 grams. I usually mix per client, um, but I have some stuff in the freezer for 
for last minute gigs. So I mix with my little um, bowl, my little plastic bowl from Chinatown. And then I have a small spatula. And like you said, mine is stained practically black. Mm-hmm. And, um, and that is just the one that I always use for mixing henna. And it's just a little spatula, like maybe six inches long that I got in the cake decorating store. Yeah. It's like the everyday rituals that we don't, we don't uh, pay much attention to, but when you stop to think about it and you have these things that you do, yeah, something nice about that with the henna. Yeah, exactly. And it's, the mixing. It's almost like, I don't know. Yeah. It's very ritualistic. And uh, sometimes I have this woman come in and clean my house every two weeks. And if I've left out any of my henna implements, I get very upset after she's gone because she puts oh, them back in different places. And I'm like, God, no, I can't mix in no. a different bowl. I can use a different <laughs> spatula. <laughs> she doesn't really understand. <laughs> no one would. No. Oh, well, some people would. We'll yeah. understand. We yeah. understand you, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, so yeah, I, um, I really enjoy mixing henna. I used to f- find it very stressful and, uh, you know, I had to get it done before I went to work or get it done so that it's ready for this client. And, and at some point I just shifted and said, let me just enjoy this little moment. That's a nice shift. Yeah, definitely. So let's see, I was going to ask you about how much you mix at a time, but we sort of went over that and how henna makes you feel. We just talked about that, which is great. So I guess my last question, unless I'm going to give you an opportunity to say a couple other things if you if you have more info that we didn't cover. Sure. But my last question would be, what would you tell people who are just starting out trying to figure out the, the comp- complexity of mixing their own paste? What are like three things that would help them out? Well, I'm hoping that listening to all of these people tell their stories, I'm hoping that people will find pleasure in mixing their own paste. So that's the, that's step one is think is knowing that it's important to mix your own paste. I think it's a great selling point to your clients. Mm-hmm. And, um, I would suggest anybody who's using, even if you're using paste made by another henna artist, try making your own, try having kind of an ownership of your entire process and feel more involved in your henna. Um, I, I really like that. And I like being able to shift my, my mixing depending on the weather, depending on the client and that kind of thing. And, you know, I noticed when you asked me about dye release, I don't really test for dye release and I do like you do. I just look at the surface of the henna after a while and see if that Brown film, that Brown liquid has risen to the top. Mm-hmm. And yeah. yeah, I should ask you um, afterwards, maybe you can tell me if you measure or not. I don't. Okay. I do not. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, and then also the measuring as well. That's a good point. I think I've been at this for almost 16 years and right. I forgot what it's like to be a beginner trying to figure out my mix, trying to get the right consistency, trying to figure out dye release and I would just encourage those of you who are starting out mixing your own paste to just stick with it. Mm-hmm. Uh, just and and I think you gave really good advice: mix little batches, take notes of what you've done. And I and I used to do that when I was a baby henna artist mm-hmm. starting out. And I remember I had sample dots all over my hand, you know, trying 
this one and trying that one, trying a different mix. I would do, you know, five different mixes and then have five different dots and see how they develop and blah, blah, blah. So I think there's something great about going through that process and experimenting. It's frustrating, but you learn so much more from that, Absolutely. from the failures. Absolutely. And, you know, people who are coming in right now are getting the benefit of all of the work that, of people like you, you know, you're yeah. putting out these podcasts, which yeah. are just, I mean, they're, they're amazing. Aww. You know, none of us had that when we were starting oh, off. Yeah. So the resources that are available right now with all the different online forums and, you know, how much information suppliers yeah. will give out, yeah. people are just a really great group. It's a wonderful group. So I just wanted to also take the opportunity to just really thank you for the work that you're doing with this because um it's 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 really helping the hana community in ways that most newbies probably don't know quite yet yeah yeah it's amazing how little information we had back in the day right uh, and in a way there's almost too much information now yeah we're trying to get good information is now the hard part yeah yeah exactly uh, and then the third thing for newbies is is don't ever go cheap on your ingredients. I think mm-hmm. maybe I said that at the beginning, but yeah, just don't go cheap. Henna is already so inexpensive. You know, right. you were saying, oh, what justifies the increased cost in the henna? Well, you know, I, I think it's maybe a dollar more. So I really, I don't even blink at that dollar mm-hmm. um, because having good henna just, just makes everything so much better. So don't, don't ever go cheap on that. Don't get, don't think that you're getting a bargain with $5 henna. It's just not even worth it. Right. Excellent. Is there anything else that you would like to add in that I didn't cover? We didn't cover in the conversation? Um, there was something I wanted to say. I'm trying to remember what it was. Um, for those of you who don't know, I've always been a J bottle user for 15 years. And then in mm. the last six months, I'm, I'm converting to cones. And the mix is slightly different between bottles and cones. Um, you need a slightly thinner paste for the bottle. So for people out there who are using J bottles, <clears throat> I would recommend that you try experimenting with paste that's a little bit thinner and see if that works a little bit better. Uh, some people complain that J bottles are very hard in your hand and it hurts to squeeze it, but I think people are just mixing the paste way too thick mm-hmm. and really the henna should just flow out of your bottle with a very slight pressure on the bottle. And for those people who don't know what a J bottle is, the real, you know, when you're coming in and you hear all mm. this lingo, can yes. you just yeah, say that's a little bit the, more about what that is? Yeah, that's the Jacquard bottle. It's a small like half ounce bottle and it has interchangeable metal tips that you can screw on the end. So Now when you use those, do you use the do you have like favorite bottles that have been become softer or do you get fresh bottles? Um, I it they're all pretty much the same to me. I don't really notice the older ones being any softer. I guess it's possible, but um yeah, I don't know. It seems the same to me. Okay, but it's um, a really good point about it needing to be a different consistency yeah. depending on the tool that you're using for exactly. application. Yeah, and then also when you're um, when you're uh, starting out, you're also experimenting with what kind of cones you want. So when I interviewed Debbie, she uses a much heavier cello or mylar, mm-hmm. I guess, 
And um, I've also tried, I've gotten cones, sample cones from different suppliers, and some of them use a really thin mylar. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I've tried salad bags and chip bags and um, seaweed bags and all these different things just to try the different consistency of the plastic. And even within, you know, even among cones, you may need a different consistency. And then I also find that if I'm doing a gig and I'm using the same cone for the entire gig, sometimes the henna in that cone will kind of melt Mm -hmm. from being in my hand. So I find that I have to just switch out the cone and let the one I was using before kind of cool off. And then I can go back to it once the, the henna paste is firmed up a little bit. I find that that is actually my designs will change over the course of a night yep. because of that. So yep. I'll start off with things that are a little bit more, you know, centered and 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 then I'll move to a little flowier design because the paste is flowing more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of fun to work with the paste and see how it moves. Um, I was just going to ask you something else. No, about I can't the different remember. consistency of the mylar, something about the J-bomb. Yeah. Yeah, it's escaped me. I should have written it down. I got too engrossed in what you were ah, saying. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, and then also with the cones, you'll have, um, you know, some people like to roll their cones open. Some like to roll them mm-hmm. closed. Some people like, you know, to roll with a triangle or a rectangle or a square. And all of those things are affected by how you make your paste. So if you right. make your own paste, then you have control over what kind of paste you need for the tool that you're using. You may want to use different sized cones, you know, with different openings. And so you could have different mixes for different types of cones. So it's good to have control over that paste in order to have control over the whole process. Oh, I know. The other thing that what you were saying just brought up is it, I, when you're talking about the different cone sizes and how you mix, how you roll your cone in the opening and closing, the other thing is it really depends on the type of event you're going to do. True. Um, because if you're going to do an event where you're going to be slinging and you're just doing tiny little designs, it's like a grad night or yeah. a festival, yeah. your henna probably should be a little bit thicker because you want to get that out really fast and you don't want any chance of it like cooking together and also you're going to probably have a thicker opening so there's going to be more henna coming out whereas if you're doing a really intricate bridal you're going to have it much more closed of a tip and you want it to be really flowy so you can get those tiny little patterns and if you're doing like a baby belly you'll want maybe a thicker opening or wider opening for thicker lines that show up better it, on that skin and it's a bigger canvas. So there's exactly. so many little factors like that. It's crazy. <laughs> and we take it for granted after doing it for so many years, but yeah, there's just a lot of little things to remember. When you start to talk about it, you really realize how many things that's, and that's the difference between you know, starting off and being a pro, I guess. Yeah. yeah you just accumulate those things. You get that knowledge. Yeah. Well, great. Uh, one uh, one more thing, and you mentioned this when I interviewed you. I also strain my paste. I don't think a lot okay. of people do that anymore, uh, and and I still do it. I there's something about the paste when you strain it; it's just mm-hmm. smoother, Absolutely. and and I, I feel like it also gets rid of air bubbles too. Yeah, and it's that, actually it something helps. I started doing. I hadn't been doing it, oh, and okay. I really love straining it. it 
I think it does give a really nice consistency. Yeah, and literally consistency. It, fe it feels like it makes the paste consistent throughout the whole batch. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Great. Any other Any questions? Last thoughts? <laughs> <laughs> Any other questions? <laughs> Those are all my questions. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for interviewing me. Thank I think you, you passed the test. Oh, well. <laughs> So we'll oh. see, we'll see, uh, I'll talk to management and see what we can do for you. Yeah, maybe, maybe after a while I'll get a raise. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> I'll we get... should talk about raises before I'm actually hired. <laughs> I'll give you, I'll give you a 20% raise on what you're making right now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, I have to go interview Deb now. Okay, well, Deb, have a Deb good interview. Say okay. hi from me. I will. All right, okay. thank you. Bye, Lisa. Bye. So that's the end of the Mixology Mixtape series. I plan to have more series like this where I hear from a lot of different artists weighing in on a particular topic. I'll keep you posted as these plans develop. For those of you going to Hennecon, we have less than a month before Hennecon, and I will see you there. I hope that you will come to the Moroccan class that I'm teaching with Noam and also be a part of the live podcast that's going to happen at Hennecon. As always, thank you to Nashkarm for the photos, Shlomi Cohen for the music and the technical support. I'm Lisa Butterworth, and this is the Caught Red-Handed Podcast. See you next episode. Bye.